Welcome back. Today, we'll discuss the zeroth law of thermodynamics. The zeroth law of thermodynamics states that if A is in thermal equilibrium with B and B is in thermal equilibrium with C, then A is also in thermal equilibrium with C. The simplest physical interpretation of this is that thermometers do indeed work. Let's say I want to measure the temperature of this cup of tea. I would put a thermometer inside this cup of tea, then after a while, I would read off the reading on this thermometer. And I know that I can trust the thermometer because I know that tea eventually established thermal equilibrium with the glass of thermometer and the glass of thermometer will establish thermal equilibrium with the liquid inside thermometer, which is usually colored ethanol or mercury. Now, let's imagine that we live in a world that the zeroth law of thermodynamics doesn't work. The liquid inside the thermometer does not have to be in thermal equilibrium with the T, which means that the thermometer can just give me any random number back and that would be completely useless. Even though the zeroth law of thermodynamics is probably not the most powerful law, like the second law of thermodynamics, but it is the most fundamental law in thermodynamics. And it even comes before the first law. Now I want to talk about the concept of temperature a little bit more. And some of you are probably thinking, we all know what temperature is, is to do with how hot or how cold an object is. And well, you're right, but in thermodynamics, we're trying to be a bit more specific here. And you may see temperature expressed as partial derivatives, like this on the screen, as a partial U by partial S at constant V. And this just means if you hold the volume of the system uh, constant, and then you differentiate the internal energy of the system with respect to entropy, you get temperature, or you can think of this as if you plot the internal energy of the system against the entropy of the system. Temperature is simply the slope of this graph. But for now, let's not worry about those uh, partial derivatives. And you can think of energy as a quantity that's proportional to the average kinetic energy uh, of a molecule in a system. And the proportionality factor in an ideal gas is exactly three halves of Boltzmann constant. Now, I'm going to introduce something to you called the equation of state. An equation of state is an equation that links together the state variables in our system of interest. The simplest equation of state is called the ideal gas law, which is PV equals nRT, where P is pressure, V is volume, N is the amount of substance in mole, R is gas constant, which is 8.314, and T is thermodynamic temperature measured in Kelvin. And the Kelvin scale is just a Celsius scale that we, normally, that we use in our daily lives, but shifted down by 273.15 centigrade. There are four variables in play here, and if you want to graph this, we would get a four-dimensional graph. However, we cannot visualize a four-dimensional graph. So 
What we normally do is that we sort of cheat a little here and we set n equals to 1. What that does is that it effectively locks the n axis in the fourth dimension, wherever that is, and then we're left with three variables that actually varies. And because we live in a three-dimensional world and the graph is of the three dimension, it fits in our reality and we can visualize how the function behaves. For example, if you see pressure as a function of volume and temperature, what the function does is that it maps the input plane of pressure and temperature onto a specific height which corresponds to pressure. The ideal gas law is based on a couple of assumptions. One of the assumptions is that gas molecules themselves takes up very little space compared to the amount of space occupied by the gas. And another assumption is that gas molecules, they, they do not interact with each other or the interaction energy between them are negligible. And this is certainly not true because gas molecules do indeed take up space and they do indeed interact with each other. So there's another equation of state called the van der Waals equation of state, which takes into account these factors. However, we will not use van der Waals equation of state in most of our uh, derivations and calculations because it is much easier to differentiate and integrate the ideal gas law compared to the van der Waals equation of state. And in addition, the ideal gas law is a very good approximation of reality on the room temperature and pressure. Now, I'm going to introduce something to you called pressure volume work, which is a type of expansion work that we'll see again and again in thermodynamics. So work is defined as motion achieved against resistive force. And in school, you've probably been taught that force times distance equals work done. And if you multiply and divide through by area, we should still get the same quantity back, which is work. If we divide through force by area, we get pressure. And if we multiply distance by area, we get volume, which means pressure multiplied by volume has the same dimension as energy. For example, when a piston, consider a gas cylinder. When the piston goes up, the volume of the cylinder increases and the work done on the external pressure would be pressure multiplied by changing volume. At the end of this video, I want to introduce to you the three types of systems in thermodynamics. The isolated system, the closed system, and the open system. An isolated system is a system that does not exchange energy or matter with the surroundings. And the biggest isolated system is the entire universe because as far as we're concerned, there's nothing outside the universe. Therefore, the universe cannot exchange energy or matter with what's outside the universe. A closed system is a system that only exchanges energy, but not matter with the surroundings. And an example of this would be a balloon. You can heat up or cool down a balloon, but the amount of gas inside the balloon stays unchanged. An open system can exchange both matter and energy with the surroundings. An example of this would be a reaction in a beaker. If you add some hydrochloric acid to some magnesium strips in the beaker, hydrogen gas will be generated and hydrogen gas will leave the beaker 
in exchange for some air, which is mostly oxygen and nitrogen. And you might be thinking, hmm, is there a system that only exchanges matter with the surrounding, but not energy? And the answer to that is no, such system does not exist. Because when you're exchanging matter, energy is always exchanged, because matter themselves contain energy. If you think about the, the bonds that hold the atoms together, so it is not possible to only exchange matter without exchanging energy. Subscribe and stay tuned for the next episode on the first law of thermodynamics. Before that, I advise you to study some multivariable calculus and I'll put a series that I think is quite good in the description down below. Thank you for watching.